I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching on the coronavirus. The coronavirus is a disease. It is a plague. I've already already said some stuff. I have to race it during the reading of the emails. And coronavirus is the reason. The reason for it, for this disease, the Bible calls it a pestilence. It's amazing the word pestilence is deburr and it is a form of the word dabar in the Hebrew. Dabar means a commandment. This is a disease that is commandment of God. When the Bible speaks of dabar every time, when the when the Lord said when I have spoken it, I will do it. Speaking of bringing judgment on Israel in the 36th chapter of Ezekiel. Well, that's the word dabar, and the word pestilence is the word deber. It means a disease that is an arrangement of God and has been arranged. There's a reason it has been arranged. It's been arranged because of the con that's going on in the pulpits of America and they've been going on for a long time a long time this has been going on there's been you say you keep saying Jim that if when Israel when God says if you obey my commandments you will win This is in Deuteronomy 28. And you win in this way. Your fields will be full of good crops. That was one of the great concerns of the people. Fields will be full. Their concern was food and how they were going to get through the winter because they didn't have Kroger's or Publix, or Safeway, or all of these. I said Safeway because they got those out west. And they had them in Texas where I grew up. They were big supermarkets in the 40s. And they they didn't have what we have. They didn't have ways of preserving things. My wife's at home canning right now, making some chili sauce, and took a bunch of tomatoes and all that it takes to make it. And... uh, She's canning today. Well, their fields were, they didn't know the things that we know about preserving foods. And he said, your baskets will be full. The basket was when they would go out to the field to gather the crops and bring it in. And he was gonna, the wives are going to cook it. it. Your baskets will be full. It reminds me of Haggai when Haggai said you were scattered out of Israel because of what you did you went after other gods and Haggai said well let me read that to you that's very interesting people don't even know what Haggai is about Haggai was one of the special prophets that God called 
Haggai and Zechariah. In fact, you can find Haggai by turning to Zechariah. Zechariah is the next to the last book in the Old Testament. So the book before that is going to be Haggai. Haggai and Zechariah were together. They were kind of like partners. Haggai and Zechariah. And Haggai is a little short book. But Haggai and Zechariah had a special calling. It was to correct Israel and get back and making restitution and rebuilding, having the people rebuild, go ahead and finish rebuilding the temple. They were carried away into captivity because 510 years under kings from, from Saul until the last king, Zedekiah, the king of southern Judah or southern Israel, they were scattered all over the all over the world. And then while they were scattered, it was Babylon that carried southern Judah away. And that is what southern Judah was Judah and Benjamin, those two tribes. They named the southern kingdom after Judah because Judah had Judah was the king came out of Judah. So that's where we get the word Jew. They were called Jews because their king was from Judah. And then by the time of Christ, they started calling everybody in Israel Jews. Well, northern Israel was scattered by, scattered by the Assyrians in 722. And then southern Judah was scattered by Babylon in 586. When, they, when they're carried away, they're carried away by the Babylonian king. And then Babylon is overthrown by Cyrus, and he is the king of Persia. And you say, I don't know these nations. Well, Babylon is the same thing as Iraq. You can look at it here. I think preachers and students of the Bible need to study. Uh, they need to study with maps. You can't understand all of this reading about Babylon and the Bible and about... Here's a map of the Mediterranean Sea. Right here. The Mediterranean Sea is what the Bible's talking about when it talks about the beast coming up out of the sea. That's because the beast was Babylon, the Babylonian lion, the Persian bear, the Grecian leopard, and the beast with iron teeth, and that was Rome that overthrew these other three. Well, the beast, Babylon, Iraq, right here, Persia, which would be Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan, that was Persia. They overthrew Iraq, or they overthrew Babylon. Babylon is on the Euphrates River. This is the Euphrates right here. And this is the Tigris River kind of somewhat parallel to it, runs from northwest to southeast in Iraq. Well, Babylon was built on the Euphrates, and the capital city of the Assyrians was on the Tigris River. That was what we would call Nineveh, or today it would be Baghdad. And the Assyrian Empire was between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. And this is the Caucasus Mountains. Yes, the Assyrians were Caucasians. And they were the most butchering people that ever lived in history. Well, this is the sea right here. When the beast comes up out of the sea, Babylon, Persia, 
grace, this is grace right here. There's the polyponesis. And right up here in this Aegean Sea, up here and north of it, right where that little hand sticks out, that's Philippi and Thessalonica. That's where Paul wrote to the Philippians and the Thessalonicans. So the beast, northern Greece, was called Macedon. Or we would call it Macedonia. Macedonia. When Paul in the 16th chapter of of Acts was over here in Troas, he had a dream and he heard the Macedonian call. We had sung that old song in church. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light. That's what it's talking about. He was over here in Turkey and he heard God calling him over here to Philippi and Thessalonica. So he goes over to there. So Greece, northern Greece was called Macedon. Macedon was a crude place. It was kind of like a bunch of rednecks. They had, that was their armors. That was their fighters. Well, that's what, that's what Alexander the Great raised up against and he was the Grecian and that's what he went after the Persian Empire with and conquered them and then from and then he had four generals four generals Cassander Cassander the Sacamus Cassander the Sacamus the Sacamus Ptolemy and Seleucus. It's believed that Seleucus, since Seleucus got the lion's share of Alexander the Great's empire, and Alexander the Great was assassinated on his deathbed when he was in Babylon. All the all of these empires that would conquer Babylon, it was such a gorgeous city, they said, we're going to stay there. Even the even the, the Persian kings left their place, come over, and they stayed in Babylon also. And then you had the, had the uh, here on the sea, on the sea, you had, uh, you had the Persian, excuse me, the Grecian Empire led by, if northern Israel was northern northern Greece was called Macedon Macedon, southern Greece had the Peloponnesus. That's that thing that looks like a hand down there. And there was a land bridge that separated northern Greece from southern Greece. And in this Peloponnesus right there, and that little land bridge was Corinth. And just northeast of that was Athens. And that's part of where Paul went in the book of Acts to preach to these people. Then when they were overthrown, Greece was overthrown by the Roman Empire. So so the beast, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, or the lion, the bear, and the leopard, and the beast with iron teeth, it all overthrew Persia or all the Pakistan, Afghanistan, and so forth. And they overthrew Babylon, which was Iraq. And then then Greece took over and overthrew these. 
and then Rome, the beast with iron teeth, overthrew Greece, and everybody, the beast rose up out of the sea because that's where it ruled and had seven heads and ten horns, and I'm not going to get into that right now. That's very detailed. So, so the, when it, the sea is actually the bottomless pit. And it's not bottomless pit. That's a, if, if those translators hadn't been studying a map along with saying these things, they'd have understood better. All right. Bottomless pit has the idea of the sea with no knowledge. The sea, bottomless pit. This is the word, A-B-U-S-S-O-S. Abusas. It is our word, abyss. We think of an abyss as something foggy. It's difficult to see or to know what's going on. I've used this illustration before. They have a lot of waterfalls down in South America uh, with tributaries running off of the Amazon. And I've seen some of them on the Internet, and they're like a thousand-foot drop. And at the bottom of the waterfall drop, it's just a bunch of, it looks real hazy and foggy because you've got all of that, that water is the the uh, sprinkling looking thing. It looks like steam down there. And people look down and say, it's an abyss. We don't know what's there. Well, the word abyss comes from the word bathos. And the alpha privative. And the alpha privative. It negates the word bathos. Well, bathos means a place of knowledge, of great knowledge. And the alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, negates the word as a negative particle. It has to say negative particle. And what they will say in your concordance, it will say from one as a neg part. Neg part means negative particle. One is an A in the Greek alphabet. And it's the first word in your concordance in the dictionary in the back. So it's a, it has to say from one as a neg part. Otherwise, it will say from one as a connecting particle. So that connects two words together. Connecting particle. But abusas, it says, from one as a neg part. So it means the alpha privative negates the word bathos. It means no knowledge. That's why, that's what the, the sea is. 
and the beast comes up out of the sea, and the boundaries of the beast world system was only on the boundaries of the Mediterranean Sea. So it comes up out of the sea, and it's it has no knowledge of God because only Israel was given God's knowledge. That's that little nation on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. So the beast coming out of the sea, it comes out of a place of no knowledge. That's what it's about. Now, where was I going with this? All right, I said we was going to go somewhere and read something. Haggai. Now this takes us to Haggai. These beast world systems... God put it in their heart to overthrow Israel. So Haggai, Haggai plays an important part. Cyrus overthrows Babylon. Cyrus is the king, the first king of Persia that we're concerned with in the Bible. Persia is Pakistan, Afghanistan, so so he's the king of Pakistan. And he wants to overthrow Babylon, so he comes over here, north of the of the Euphrates of Babylon on the Euphrates River. They said we can't be conquered; we're too we're too impregnable. That's what the Babylonians said. They had walls that were hundred excuse me walls that were like three hundred and seventy five feet high. Well, let me put it over here. They had walls that were about 375, 80 feet high. You can get this out of Babylon in your in your concordance. So the, they had all these real high walls, about 375. They had the river running around it and the river running through it. It actually looked like this from the a bird's eye view. Babylon was two sections straddling the Euphrates River, and the river ran around it and through it. And they said, we can't be conquered. That's why Babylon, the hanging gardens of Babylon were called one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. The reason they were so magnificent was because they had this fresh water running right through it and they built all kind of aqueducts and put them in there to water all of their plants. And when you come out across the desert and you saw Babylon in the distance, it was, this, it was right here in the middle of the desert and it was this lush, green, all kinds of tropical plants, bananas and lemons and apples and oranges and whatever you want in the tropics, it was there. And it looked wonderful. And the amazing thing about it, it had, it was on every side of Babylon, it was 14 miles, 14 miles by 14 miles by 14 miles. 14 miles on each side of it. When you saw it, you thought, whoa, what a magnificent city. What is that? And they said, we can't be conquered. Well, I've told you the story. Since the Euphrates run through it, and Cyrus was over here in Iran, or whatever you want to call it. Cyrus was in Pakistan or Iran or Persia. 
He said, what I want to do is conquer Babylon, become the ruling empire of the world. Well, they had one weakness. Their weakness was the Euphrates River. So Cyrus comes up here. You can get this out of Herodotus. Herodotus was a historian. He was said to be the father of history. He's the first man to write things down. He was a historian back in the days of the first century. And Herodotus, or you can find this in Isaiah, the 44th and 45th chapter. The first part of the 45th chapter, Herodotus, um, Herodotus will tell you that Cyrus went north of the Euphrates River. I don't know how far north, but he went up here north of Babylon. And he put a dam of sorts on the Euphrates and run it out into the Arabian Desert. And you know what you can run in the Arabian Desert? All the water that you want to, and it'll soak it up. So he ran it out into the Arabian Desert, marched down the riverbed, came, and they had, they had on... On one of these, they had two leaf gates. It'll tell you that in Isaiah 44 and 45. It'll tell you that in Herodotus. I've got two volumes on Herodotus. He'll tell you the exact same thing that Isaiah 44 says. And he marched in there and he finds Belshazzar partying with the instruments of the house of the Lord that had been carried away by Nebuchadnezzar decades before. And he's parting with that. Cyrus comes in and says, you are under arrest. We're going to execute you tonight. And they did. They killed him that night. You can find that story in Daniel, the fifth chapter. And that's where he sees the handwriting on the wall. And God says, you're waiting the balance found warning and your days are numbered. And it's over with. So, Cyrus takes over. Just to understand Haggai, you have to know that. So you get into... So Babylon takes over. Oh, excuse me. Persia takes over. And God moves upon the heart of Cyrus. He moves upon his heart to rebuild. To rebuild the temple in Jerusalem the temple and he is a Persian king and he is supposed to be a heathen I don't know if he's a believer or not he sure sounds like it sounds like God touched his heart and he commands Israel to go back to Israel and rebuild the temple that was leveled to the ground rebuild the temple that was leveled by by Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian king 150 years before well he gives the decree and the Israel starts building that's in 538 BC well they catch a lot of flack for rebuilding because everybody knows Israel's history, how they were rebellious to God. Everybody knows that.
and Daniel is over here in Babylon preaching to them and the other prophets Ezekiel and so forth they're preaching to them they start rebuilding the temple in 538 BC they catch some flack around 536 they've been building two years and they catch this flack from a man named Tatanai T-A-T-N-A-I I'm still talking about the coronavirus the reason they're scattered is because for 510 years they went after Baal, Grove, Shemosh, Molech. And the reason God scattered them is because he told them in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 and Ezekiel 15, uh, not Ezekiel, Exodus, that starts with an E, Exodus 15 and this is just a few places he says this he says if you don't obey me I'll scatter you I'll first send sword famine and pestilence and the pestilence will be disease as which they've got going here now in America and in the world you got the coronavirus because the preachers in the pulpits are not telling the truth if they don't tell the truth how can God's people be obedient obedient to God they can't the world is confused about Christmas, it's Christ's Mass, it's Roman Catholicism. They're confused about predestination. They think they have free will, and the Bible says, We're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. They don't think they have to have a daily cross. I heard one preacher say, we can't suffer tribulation in America because we live in a Christian nation. This is no more Christian than you are, mister. And you're not. If it was, you'd preach death to self, daily cross, self-denial. You'd preach being hated by the world, and he didn't. He never did. He's disgusting. And you know who you are. I don't like that man. Don't like anybody who lies to the people. So, they were scattered because... They didn't live in the truth. How could they be living in the truth when Israel... Now, these preachers in the world today, they say, we serve Jesus. They don't serve Jesus. They mention the name Jesus, but they don't serve the right Jesus. Ezekiel said, here's what they're doing. They claim to be serving the Jesus of the Bible. But they're doing what Israel did. Ezekiel tells them what they did. In Ezekiel, I'll get back to Hezekiah in just a minute. Excuse me, Haggai in just a minute. Ezekiel. Here's what Ezekiel said that Israel did. Ezekiel. All right, let me see here. I just think of these things and I want to say them. Ezekiel the... 14th chapter I believe it is alright or is it the 15th or am I thinking of 23 I'll get it right in a minute I get these things going in my head y'all have to forgive me alright he says here that 
on the same day that they went down into when they would go down and offer their children in the fire in the fire to Moloch in the valley of Hinnom on the east southeastern part of Hinnom he says here in the 23rd chapter of Ezekiel here's what he says they did this is what the preachers are saying today long as we serve somebody called Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible you're serving when you don't do what he says when you lie to the American public you tell them if you send your money to us you'll get rich when the Bible says woe to you that are rich you have your consolation your comfort is in your money And he says here in verse 36 of chapter 23 of of the uh, 23rd chapter of Ezekiel. The Lord said said, moreover unto the Son of Man, Wilt thou judge Aholah, which is another name for northern Israel? And Aholibah, that's a name for southern Judah. Yea, declare unto them their abominations, how they've lived. They have committed adultery, and blood is in their hands with their idols, and they committed adultery, a spiritual adultery is idolatry. The prophets tell you that over and over again. And have also caused their sons, whom they bear unto me, to pass from them through the fire to devour them. They burn their children in the fire. That's southeast of Jerusalem. If this is Jerusalem, southeast would be Tophet. That's where they offer their children in the fire to Tophet. You can find that in Isaiah, the 30th chapter. You can find it in Jeremiah, the 19th chapter, and many of the other verses in the Scripture. Then he says, They caused their sons to pass through the fire to devour them. Moreover, this they have done unto me. Listen closely. They have defiled my sanctuary in the same day and have profaned my Sabbaths. The same day they offer their children in the fire, they'd go back to Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice in the temple of God. That's what the preachers are doing today. Will we serve Jesus? No, 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 no. You have to be preaching death to self, daily cross, crucifying the flesh. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Follow me. Die daily. I don't hear any of the Kenneth Copeland doesn't preach that. Fred Price don't preach that. Creflo Dollar, they preach feeding self. So what you're serving, the same day you go into to preach, you serve another Jesus. And the Bible says the other Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4, is Satan. The other Jesus is Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. Transform metaschematizo, S-C-H-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O. What you're serving, Kenneth Copeland, is 
Satan disguised. That word metaschematizo means to disguise oneself. You're serving, Copeland, another Jesus, which is the devil. Do I believe Kenneth Copeland is going to go to heaven? No, sir. You cannot have a big mega crowd and be popular to a great number of people in the world and be following Christ. Bless you to you when men shall reproach you. Reproach on Idzo means to be infamous. Yet the world has to hate you in order to follow Christ. So, so he says over there in in that 23rd chapter of Ezekiel, on the same day that you offered your children in the fire and burnt them, you come back and think, I'm going to accept some offering in the temple. They think, I'm serving some kind of a Jesus. No, you're not. Just because you can say his name, you have to obey him. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them and be obedient to his word. You can't say, I serve Jesus because I say Jesus with my, and to sing a song, say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Name is the word shim in the Hebrew. It's the word onoma in the Greek. It means authority. You can't say something precious about his name unless you're obedient to him. You can't say, I hate predestination. Predestination's in the Bible. It's the truth. It has a meaning, pro-horizo. Pro-horizo means to predetermine for the horizo or for the light, the horizon, the boundary of light. You can't hate predestination. And there's people that hate it that call themselves Christians. In fact, the majority of the people that call themselves Christians hate it. We're predestined to be conformed to the image or the likeness of Christ. And his likeness is not what people say. Now let's get over here to Haggai. Haggai. I'm still talking about your fields will be full. Your baskets will be full. Uh, your baskets and you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways that very verse there means if you're obedient to me you will be the heavens if you're going to go against your enemy one way and they're going to flee seven ways the heavens was the ruling class in the ancient world. You can pull out the McClinic and Strong and look up heavens. That's the first thing it will tell you. It's the governing powers of a world. Heavens. When there's new heavens and new earth, there's new governing powers in the church. It'll be the church. God caused it. The only reason these Nations could carry Israel away because they started going after other gods. And the other gods was Baal, the Grove, Shemash, Bolek, Ashes, Osiris, and the list goes on into the hundreds that Israel was worshiping. So God says, I'll scatter you. Haggai had a, an extreme purpose. Him and Haggai and Zechariah were partners in something. Haggai and Zechariah. I've never even heard anybody talk about them to any degree. Never. Never.
Boy, you talk about important. They were ever more important. Here in Haggai, at in 536, they started rebuilding the temple as a commandment from Cyrus, the king of Persia, who overthrew the Babylonian king in 538. So, so Persia becomes the ruling the rulers of the world only because Israel can't rule anybody anymore because they went after these other gods and you can go against your enemy one way and they'll be seven ways if you obey me you could have whipped Babylon Persia and all of them they were the heavens when God's going to have new heavens it's going to be the church it's not some literal city come down from God out of heaven that's the new birth Well, in 536, this guy named Tatnai says, I'm going, to tell, I'm going to tell Darius, he is now the king of Persia. And, and Darius is ruling. Cyrus has died. Darius is the ruler. But Darius loves Daniel. He loves Daniel's cause. It kind of looks like being a Persian king. He may be a believer too. Boy, these kings of Persia, they're the ones that God came to in the fourth chapter of Zechariah and said, Not by might nor by spirit, saith the Lord, but it won't be by, excuse me, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God comes to these Persian kings, puts it into their heart to make four decrees to release Israel, go back to Israel and rebuild their temple and then finally rebuild their city that Nebuchadnezzar had leveled to the ground. Well, when in 536, when I'm still talking about the coronavirus. The only reason Israel put under all those judgments, the only reason these nations came in to destroy them was because they were not obedient to the word of God. And how can they be when Israel is worshiping these other gods and teaching the wrong doctrine, just like these charismatics and Baptists are today? It's all one big picture. The coronavirus is the huge picture. It's one of the pestilence. It's the disease. So, Tadnai says, I'm going to tell Darius, the king of Persia, on you, Israel, for rebuilding this temple. Tadnai didn't know that this decree was given by Cyrus and it was unalterable. Their, their decrees of the of the Persians and the Medes could not be changed once it was given. Cyrus gave an unchangeable law to rebuild the temple, and Tatnai, who was one of the governors over there in Israel, he was a foreigner in Israel while Israel was rebuilding the temple, and he says, I'm going to go over here and tell Darius on you. Well... He goes to Darius. The thing is, Darius loves the cause of the Jews. 
And so he searches for the original decree, the original decree that was given by Cyrus. And he finds it in the summer house. This is where Cyrus would vacation. You could call it the vacation house. Where he would vacation. And he found that decree. And all he could do was reaffirm that original decree that Cyrus had given. When he does, reaffirm it. Darius tells Tatani, you will get behind the rebuilding of this temple. Do you understand me? This is Cyrus, the king of the world, telling this Tatani, you'll either do what I say or you'll die. And he tells Tatani, we'll hang you on a tree. They didn't just nail him to a cross. They ran a post up through their bottom and out their mouth. He said, I'll hang you on a tree, Tatani. You get back over there. And by the way, Tatani, you will finance that. Do you understand me? And boy, he's hopping, jumping up and down like a cat on a hot tin roof. He says, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And they go back and they start rebuilding in 536. Not in 536, they quit until for 16 years. For 16 years until 520. And that's when Darius was the king of Persia. So they start rebuilding. And that is what Haggai's message is about. He's telling them, you've been gathering in the field and your baskets are empty. It's because you haven't been doing what God said. Here's what Haggai says. Verse 3. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye that dwell in your sealed houses? It means a covering or a roof. You got a house. Don't you think it's time to get back building the house of God? And this house of God lies waste. You've been sitting around for 16 years doing nothing, Israel. Boy, they fell back in their old habits easy, didn't they? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your lazy, low-down ways, Israel. It's amazing that God wants to save these people the way they've been living. As soon as they get into captivity, they start some of their old tricks. Consider your ways. You have so much. This goes in opposition to those verses. Your basket will be full and your fields will be full. Goes in opposition to that. You have so much and bring in little. You eat. But you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag full of holes. It reminds me of the old Hank Williams song. My bucket's got a hole in it. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. 
and I marked beside in my book Deuteronomy 28 28 let's go back there so the whole reason of the coronavirus is disobedience God causes the sword the famine the pestilence and causes Israel to be carried away into captivity and then they get lazy because they're afraid of cat and lie we don't have to be afraid of our enemies we can go against our enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways you don't go against them literally we let God fight our battles if you come to the true realization of predestination that God's doing everything he works all things after the counts of his own will the Bible says he's declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times everything that's not yet done well if he's already declared everything that's not done in your life why do you get real nervous when you come to a certain a certain difficulty we're not supposed to be doing that we're supposed to be thanking God for sickness health uh, for good crops and bad crops and whatever comes our way is okay it's the will of God but we don't go after the other God of self that's who the charismatics are serving that's who the Baptists are serving with their accept Christ and sinners prayer for salvation that's not true the Bible says the natural man does not receive the word receive decomai comes from deck the word ten and decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given the natural man does not reach out the ten fingers and accept anything spiritual and the Baptists preach that in every Baptist church in America well Jim there has to be a way of salvation it is it's called belief faith and you don't have any there's none that seeketh after God God has to put it in the heart of all of his elect he'll put it in your heart and you may take a long time to learn to die to the flesh but you have to learn that as a believer I'll tell you what my life has become simpler and a lot easier it didn't become easy but it's easier than it used to be I don't worry about anything anymore but I preach to people about worrying take no thought for your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink or how you'll be clothed what you'll eat your basket will be full you'll have plenty to eat and he says if you seek the kingdom of God as his righteousness these things will be added to you he didn't mean Cadillacs and town cars and money and things and stuff these things in Matthew the 6th chapter these things will be added to food and clothing and those charismatics say these things will be added to you when you seek the kingdom of God you'll get a new car, a new Cadillac or get a job making $50 an hour you will not but you'll learn to be content with such things as you have that's what Paul said Deuteronomy 28 where was I going 28 and what 28 huh I've been giving you this in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. I've been telling you that God said, the Lord will smite thee with consumption. Consumption is any number of diseases. It could be tuberculosis. It could be something like polio or something like that. With a fever, with inflammation, 
with extreme burning, with the sword, the blasting, with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish, if you're disobedient to me. But you can't be obeying God with preachers preaching lies. They have to. The problem with America is not, I keep saying this, it is not homosexuality or lesbianism. It is not rap music. It is not any of these things that they're crusading against. It's not living together outside of marriage. That's not it. It's not drugs. It's not rock and roll. The problem is with America is in the pulpits. They're not telling the truth. And that way you've got this virus and it's going to bring about more and more and you've got people unable to work because of this virus and therefore it's bringing about famine when you get disease famine comes with it now let me I gotta show you something else when you're reading the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy The sister chapter of Deuteronomy 28 is Leviticus 26 and Exodus, the 15th chapter. Those are sister chapters. They say the same. Look at Exodus, the 15th chapter. And Benny Hidd says something about this that is so stupid. The guy don't have good sense. I'm just, I'm sick of the preachers. I'm not just sick of the charismatics and the Pentecostals I'm sick of the Baptist preachers I'm sick of of preachers that don't have guts enough to stand up to the truth I heard Charles Stanley say one time on his radio broadcast God has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that he might give us an opportunity to choose him I'm sorry Charlie that's not what that says he's chosen us in in him from the foundation of the world that we should be holy we're not going to choose him there's none that seeketh after God if God doesn't come after himself a family and choose them he came after Israel and chose them why did he just why did he scatter them why did he just kill them all and call himself another people that was his program to make Israel behave look here in Leviticus 26 chapter this corresponds to the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. Let me just read a little bit and show you how they correspond. Deuteronomy 28th chapter and Leviticus the 26th chapter. He says in Leviticus 26:14, "If you will not hearken unto me." And he says at the beginning of the chapter, he's talking about hearkening unto God. He says, If you will walk in my statutes and my commandments, in verse 3 of 26, he said, This is what will happen. Then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. He says, Your fields will be full, your basket will be full. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. 
And he says, if you don't keep my statute, he tells you all the things. You'll take five people and you'll chase a hundred, and a hundred shall put ten thousand to flight in verse 8. You'll overcome your enemies. Unbelievable. You'll do what Gideon did in that sixth, seventh, and eighth chapters of Judges. Gideon took 300 people, 300 Jews, and conquered 100,000 Midianites. How can you do that? Well, God says, Gideon, I want you to go get some Midianites. But you got too many people on your side. At one point, at the very end, when he had everybody go home that wanted to go home, he said, you got too many people. I won't get the glory with 10,000 people against 100,000. I want you to go down by this brook, and everybody that kneels down, drinks water like a dog, laps it up, send everybody else home. All that was left was 300 people. He said, now, I don't want you to fight them with the standard fights. I don't use spears and bows and arrows. What I want you to do out of these 300 men, I want you to go up on this mountain here. I want you to give them all a trumpet. And you're going to fight them with a trumpet and a lamp. That's all I want you to have. And he said, what I want you to do, this this actually this makes Gideon to be obedient to God where he says your lands will be full, your basket will be full, you'll go against them one way and they'll flee seven ways. Or you'll take a thousand and send ten thousand to flight. So he takes the three hundred men, gives them all a lamp, and gives them a trumpet. Say, go up on that hill there. And when you give the signal, tell everyone to break those lamps and shout and sound those trumpets and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And he did that and it scared those Midianites so bad they turned their swords on each other and started killing each other. God has a way of miraculously causing you to be the heavens or to win. But you have to be obedient to God. You can't win against your enemy when you're out here. Well, I want to go dead some once in a while. I want to drink a little. You don't mind if I cuss a little, do you? God's not going to make you win against your enemies that way. Now, so he says, The Lord shall smite thee with consumption, in verse 22 of 28 with a fever, with inflammation, with extreme burning, with the sword, with blasting, with mildew. You'll have too much rain. You'll have no rain. God will cause your crops to mildew. They shall pursue thee until you perish, Israel. Then look back over here at... Well, let's look at Exodus, the 15th chapter. Exodus 15. Exodus says the same basic thing. 15. This is a verse that Benny Hinn uses, one of his favorite verses to use. Except he doesn't say the first part of it. Verse 26, chapter 15, Exodus. 
and say, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. You can't hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God by believing Benny Hinn and his slaying in the Spirit. The Spirit quickeneth. It doesn't kill. Slay means to kill. The Spirit quickeneth in John 6. Z-O-O. P-O-I-E-O. That's the word quickeneth. Quicken, zoom, pa'al means to make zoo alive. You go to the zoo to see living animals. It means to make alive. The spirit doesn't quill, it doesn't kill, it quickens. Benny Hinn got that from that crazy wacko woman. Catherine Kuhlman back in the 60s. He was one of her students. He says he goes to Catherine Kuhlman's grave and her spirit comes out of the grave into his body and occupies his body. Well, that's probably true. She's a demon. (laughs) She was an evil woman. I mean, evil. She just was godless. She'd come out. Has anybody ever seen Catherine Kuhlman? You need to go online and look her up. She looks like a witch. She comes out looking like some vampire or some... I always say she looked like Barbara Steele. Y'all probably don't know Barbara Steele. Barbara Steele was in those old black and white movies, horror movies out of the 50s. She'd come out in a long flowing dress and Catherine come out and she had one of those dresses on it had this flowing, looked like wings down each side and flowing from this big veil-like come out raising her arms like Barbara Steele used to do going ooh looked goofy she'd go out and say I just love Jesus don't you just love the Lord with all your heart just disgusting and she'd go over and whack people and they'd fall down the Holy Spirit is here today Holy Spirit's the truth you idiot just just disgusting she's dead and in hell now I don't see how in the world a person like that can go to heaven how can Kenneth Copeland go to heaven when you have to repent and turn away from yourself he has saw a thing on the internet I just thought I'd look at it and the title of it was in the little icons on there it said Lord, uh, God, please buy me a jet. That was the title of it. <laughs> and they went through all a lot of these so-called Bible teachers. It says it was just uh, some of the worst cons in the world. And Kenneth Open owns four jets. One's worth $57 billion. Besides some, a biplane in mint condition from World War One, besides his little Piper Cub, he flies around North Texas. Besides the house he lives in, 18,000 square feet, that's the size of a small shopping center, maybe a big shopping center. Thousands of cattle, thousands of acres. And he, Kenneth, you stole that all from the world. Let me tell you what God says he's going to do to you. The Lord said in the 22nd chapter of Deuteronomy. Exodus. Huh? Exodus. No, in, Exodus. 
Exodus. Exodus, excuse me. Lord, I get Deuteronomy. I'm talking about so many of them. 22nd chapter of Exodus. If you oppress the widow and the orphan, I'm going to say this slow. Kenneth Copeland, if you oppress the widow and the orphan to get their money, and they cry unto me, I will hear their cry. And I will, my fury will wax hot against you, Kenneth Copeland. And I will kill you with the sword. And your sons and daughters will be orphans and your wife will be a widow. That's what he says. That is an indictment against all those so-called Bible preachers that call themselves charismatic, including Jesse the plant. He's got the IQ of a plant. God didn't call men to joke about the Word of God. He come from a long line of that. He was following the chaplain of Bourbon Street, who was somewhat famous in the late 60s and early 70s. That was Bob Harrington. Bob Harrington was Jesse Duplantis' mentor. He was a Baptist preacher that got in the pulpit and was real quick-witted and fast-lipped, and he told jokes all the time he's in the pulpit. He got that there in Louisiana. He got that from Brother Dave Gardner. Brother Dave Gardner was a comedian in the 50s and 60s. I've got some of his old albums. I just bought them for the fun of it. Dave Gardner was a nightclub comic, and you knew he'd been raised in church by all of his jokes. That's where that line comes from. Jesse Duplantis, Bob Jesse Duplantis, was a piano player in clubs before he became a preacher, a charismatic preacher. It goes from Jesse to Bob. Bob was just as quick-witted as Jesse. Probably more so. Goes back to Dave Gardner. You want to go online, look up Dave Gardner, play some of his comedians. It sounds like them. And he's the guy that started it. God called no preacher to be a comedian in the pulpit. And the show business started with with Billy Sunday, the preacher from early early 1900s he'd get in the pulpit and try to be funny and he'd raise up chairs and do all of these escapades of physical uh, exercises in the pulpit that's not what God called men to do now look here in Exodus the 15th chapter he said, If thou wilt gently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, Benny, don't read that part, and will do that which is right in his sight. That's the same thing as Deuteronomy 28 says, and the same thing that Leviticus, Leviticus tells us. The reason God scattered Israel is because they were disobedient, because they were listening to the preachers in Israel preach about Baal in the grove and offering their children in the fire to Molech. And that thing is caught on in the world. And we're offering our children in the fire to the gods of this world, which I'm talking about little G-O-D, and that is the God of self.
Covetousness is idolatry. Idolatry is worship of the gods. It means to serve what you see. It's the guy in the mirror you're serving. And he says, And give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee. And that's the only part that Benahin says out of this verse. I'll put none of these diseases on you. But it goes on to say, which I brought upon the Egyptians. Well, what were the diseases he brought upon the Egyptians? Well, he brought water to blood in Exodus seven fourteen through 25. He brought frogs. You mean God says, I'm going to bring frogs upon you? He brought frogs infested the land of Egypt in Exodus 8, 1 through 15. This is none of these diseases that he put up. But he said, I put them on Egypt. And Benny Hinn says, God doesn't put any diseases on anybody. He would put him on Egypt. He brought gnats or mosquitoes, small stinging insects infested the land of Egypt in Exodus eight sixteen through 19. He brought flies, swarms of flies, possibly a biting variety, infested the land of Egypt. That's Exodus eight twenty through thirty two. He brought a plague on the cattle called moraine. In Exodus nine one through seven, it infested the cattle belonging to the Egyptians, killed them all. Egypt was stinking. He brought boils, a skin disease infected the Egyptians. Exodus 9, 8 through 12. He brought hail. This is none of these diseases that I brought up on Egypt. He brought hail, a storm that destroyed the grain fields of Egypt. That way their baskets wouldn't be full anymore. You bring in baskets that's got a hole in it. But spared the land of Goshen inhabited by the Israelites and that's over there in Exodus 9 13 through 35 he brought locusts that stripped the land of all plant life in Exodus 10 1 through 20 he brought darkness a deep darkness covered the land of Egypt for three days Exodus 10 21 through 20 he brought the death of the firstborn, and that was the first Passover. And that was Exodus 11, 1 through 12, 30. You keep hearing me talking about the first Passover, Exodus 12. Now, so that's none of these diseases that I bring upon Egypt. They completely twist the word of God. He always says, none of these diseases will I put upon you. That I put upon Egypt. You ignorant man. Now, go back to Leviticus 26. The reason for the coronavirus, any other diseases, polio or Ebola or AIDS or anything else, is because the preachers are lying and you can't be obedient to God's word. What do you mean? Can't people read the Bible for themselves? They won't. A person that's out here in these churches, he has no incentive to sit down and read the Bible because he never hears some free will preacher talk about any definitions, culture, customs, idioms, metaphors. If you start studying the metaphors, I put more understanding in just reading these verses 
than anybody I'll ever hear. And I don't mean that in a boast. I mean, all you have to do is define all the words. And then he says over here in chapter 26 of Leviticus. But if you will not hearken unto me. That's verse 14. And will not do all these commandments. People say, I don't have to obey God. What do you think do means? You got to crucify self. You got to be gentle, kind. I'm going to preach on that. You got to be gentle, kind, compassionate, meek, poor in spirit. Some of us wrestle so much with that outer man that's not poor in spirit. He wants to have his way, even as a believer, and we just don't want to give up to the to give up that old man and crucify now look here in 28 verse 15 if ye shall despise my statutes God's statutes are not just the ten commandments I keep saying this it's every time he has an imperative mood in the Bible an imperative mood is a command If people will not keep God's statutes or His commandments, people say you don't have to obey God. You don't. Uh, this salvation is not of works, but we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There's a difference between works of the flesh and the good works of God. Good is the word agathos. It means beneficial works. Ephesians two ten which God hath before ordained. He's before ordained. Pro-E-T-O-I-M-A-Z-O. How many times have I put that on the board? A thousand in the last year? Before ordained. Pro. Before hetoimos. Hetoimos means to fit up. Pro means before or in advance. God has fitted us up in advance before the foundation of the world. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and 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 be obedient to God in love. He's fitted us up in in advance to walk in the good works of God. It's God that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's what this is about. Boy, we have this whole nation is messed up. Now look what he says. If you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, how do you abhor the judgments of God? You just won't do them. You know what? The world is abhorring the judgments of God right now. They abhor the coronavirus. What are you doing? Huh? The metal plate in my head, I guess. I do nothing. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just living. <laughs> Victor come in and something sounded off in the sound system. I thought you did that on purpose. That demon in me. Is it? <laughs> demon in Itself. Itself. All right. People abhor 
the judgments of God. When they don't like the coronavirus, it's because it is putting a crap in their style of living. The Bible says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I believe the coronavirus is judgment on the world, and it's the judgment of God, and we're to be thankful for that. Everything means everything. If he's declared the end from the beginning, from eight times, everything that's not yet done, he declared the coronavirus. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Forever, O Lord, means it always has been, it always will be. So the coronavirus has been put upon the world by the living God, and he's raining it down because of all of the lies that's coming from the pulpit, just like he's raining it down because of Israel's disobedience. Israel is God's people. Those of us that are predestinated elect of God, we're God's people. And I'm afraid a lot of the people of God don't believe in God's judgments anymore. Over in the 16th chapter of Revelation, that's what this reminds me of. People don't like God's judgments. Revelation 16. I like this. This this is the angels, the seven angels with the seven trumpets in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. And the same seven angels were pouring out the judgments of God upon the earth. And we see the first went and poured out his vial there in verse 2. Well, let me read verse 1. How much time do I have, Mike? 19. Let's look at some of these judgments. I hope you can see this is the entire picture of people being disobedient to God that belong to God. With the preachers preaching what they're preaching, this prosperity gospel, prosper and be in health, prosper means well way. Euhodos. And Jesus said, I am the way. And he said, this way is narrow. And narrow and tribulation are basically the same word. So the prosperity of God is the tribulation way. It's not money Jesse, the plant, you act like a plant. you got no more IQ than a plant. Jim, you know, this thing came up from a bat. We know the God made it all happen, but it came from a bat, which is from the darkness. Well, we don't need to go on that right now. Yeah, but I'm preaching right now. You wait. You can talk about it after church. All right. Sorry. You get excited, don't you? Victor, that's Victor. He's our, he's my backup preacher. <laughs> and so go their way and pour out the vials of the of wrath upon of God upon the earth. That word wrath is the word thumos, t h u m o s. Wrath, t h u m o s. Let me erase some of this. I can't write through all this. And this, I'm talking about people hating the judgments of God. They hate the coronavirus. Most of them don't even know that it's the judgment of God. This goes back from the 20th century, 21st century, all the way back to Israel. This is not something new. The coronavirus is not it's just another one of the diseases that God brings on the world because of men's rebellion against His Word. That's all. 
Well, if you get what about if you get a Jim Brown, I'll die and go be with the Lord. Ain't that wonderful? I look forward to that. People say, you know, you may live to be 110 years old. I don't want to live to be 110. I'll be tottering around and I can't stand up. Good grief. So the, the thumos of God, that's the wrath of God. Orge is not his wrath. God hadn't appointed us to orge. And they think orge is thumos, and it's not. This is God's judgment. Orge is man's wrath. When he's covetous and he thinks somebody's beat him. So the wrath of God is poured upon the earth by these seven angels. I have the seven trumpets and the seven angels. What gets me, the seven angels are the seven preachers of the seven churches. How can the church not be here if the angels are here? Angel angelos means messenger. So they start pouring out. The first one pours it out. And a noisome and grievous sore. What amazes me, these are the judgments that you find that I read to you earlier about that came up on Egypt. You'll find this judgment, Egyptian boils, in Exodus 9, 8-12. A grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, the karagma, which comes from karax, that's the word mark means a stake on a boundary line God says don't partake of that stake don't pass that stake in the middle of the garden of Eden and don't break that boundary and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and all that was in the world was the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life and that's what Eve saw in the tree the mark was in the garden Eve saw a tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, pleasant to the eye, lust of the eye, and a pride of life, pride, self-esteem, and she could be proud of her own self. That was what was in the tree. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood. We get that out of Exodus seven fourteen through twenty four. That's the, the water turned to blood. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers of the fountains and waters, and they became blood. There it is again. And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, thou art, thou art and washed and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink. There's drinking blood. That means to drink a cup of blood meant to die. Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless thy will be done. And the cup was a New Testament in my blood. Testament, Deotheke means last will and testament. That's what you get when you die. For they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord, God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. It's going to get hot upon the earth. It's getting hotter right now. 
we've had the hottest years in these last five years, according to one article that we've ever had. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. Talking about all the plagues that's coming up on the earth, which coronavirus is one of them. And they repented not to give him glory. The world is talking about how we're going to cure this coronavirus. That's a curse against God. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness. That's the spiritual darkness. That's from Exodus 10, 21 through 23. Same thing. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up. You had the Euphrates dried up. In the Old Testament, when Cyrus came in and blocked it up, went down and conquered Babylon the mother of all idolatry. This is the destruction of Babylon. And you find that happening in the 18th chapter of Revelation. I don't have time to go there. Now, let's go back over to Leviticus. The 26th chapter. I, I don't even understand people not listening. I go into all the details. I had somebody write to me recently and said, you're, you seem to be such an ordinary man, and you know so much about the truth. I've spent 64 years studying the Bible. I contemplate it day and night. I can't get it out of my mind driving down the road. I can't get it out of my mind. If I'm sitting watching a fight or a football game on TV, I can't get it out of my mind. Anybody that's seen me sitting watching, they've seen me with a Bible in my hand or some book in my hand reading it while I'm watching it. And that's not the only time I study. Sometimes I get in my my library and study for hours. I tell people, don't look for... 15 minutes of time with the Lord. That's not what you look for. You don't look for your time with God in the morning before you go to work. You stay in a study mode 24 hours a day. I pick up a book any time during the day. I've got thousands of books in my library. When I go into my library, I feel like a little kid in a candy store. I said, I wonder what's in this book. Have I looked at this concerning such and such? And I'll pull one down and start thumbing through it and get on an article. I never stop studying. To me, study is all the time. It's not my 15 minutes with the Lord in the morning. What do they call that? Quiet time. Quiet, quiet time, my foot. I never stopped studying. I've done that all my life. I did that when I was in high school. Didn't study the Bible that much. I studied. I read about 129 books. I counted them one time. 129 books when I was in high school. Sometimes I'd go to the library, check one out, go home, read it that night, take it back, check out another the next day. I wanted to know. I can tell you all about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. I can tell you all about Jesse James, 
tell you about Bill Hickok. I can tell you about Baron Manfred von Richthofen. I read four books on the Red Baron. I tell you, I believe shot him down. I don't believe it was the, I don't believe it was the captain. I can't think of his name. The Canadian pilot. I believe it was the Australian ground gunners. I'll tell you why. I've got all kinds of information in my head. I can tell you all about Captain Burlingame, the captain of the Silver Sides, the the uh, most decorated submarine of World War II. How they, I can tell you how they submerged in in Japanese harbor, and how one man had a tell how one man had a appendix attack, and they had to get a. Uh, one of the mates on the ship because they didn't have a doctor and he cut him open, took his appendix out. Now, that was a miracle while they were in in Tokyo Harbor. I've got all kinds of information. I don't know what to use up here. I just want to tell you that to show you I've got a lot more information than just in the Bible. I used to love biographies. Do I have any time, Mike? Let's go back here to verse 16 of chapter 26. If you're disobedient to my word and you can't obey when the preachers are lying, because people in America don't have enough incentive, enough incentive, I'll get right in a minute, enough incentive to go and read the Bible for themselves and get a concordance and buy books that are important enough to give them culture and customs and idioms and metaphors. If I go by... A garage sale, I stop and say, do you have any books? If it has anything about Israel's customs, culture, I'll buy it. I got a set of books. cost me over $900 about 20-something years ago. It's called Judaica. It's 17 volumes on Jewish culture. Packed full of Jewish information. Had one fellow come here one time. And I gave nine hundred something dollars for mine. They said they went to a garage sale and they had a set of these seventeen volumes, and all they wanted was a dollar a piece for them. <laughs> I thought a dollar a piece. I gave nine hundred something dollars for mine. You can't ever tell what you'll find at a garage sale. Also, I also will do this unto you. Verse sixteen. I'll even point over you terror, consumption, shakio, S H A C H E O, S H A C H E O, starvation. That's famine, isn't it? I'll point. Consumption, the burning og. I said that to somebody the other night. They said, "What's the og?" Q a d d a. Q a d d a c h a t h. Kodashoth or Kodakoth, probably pronounced with a guttural sound. Kodakoth. Because they pronounced everything with a guttural sound. And it means fever, to inflame, to burn or kindle. Febrile, F-E-B-R-I-L-E, 
fever and disease. God says, I'll point disease over you when you're disobedient to my word, Israel. Church, the church is diseased not just with coronavirus. They are diseased with false doctrine. The preachers are hypocrites. Hypocrites. Actors under an assumed character. They're acting. You cannot act and love people. Love is walking the commandments of God. That's agape. And you can and love is without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. You can't be acting. Faith is without dissimulation and hypocrites, without hypocrisy. Faith is death to self. You can't be pretending to die. God knows exactly whether you are or not. And if you are, it's because he's causing you to. And shall consume the eyes. Spiritually, he consumes men's spiritual eyes because the seeing eye and the hearing air, the Lord has made even both of them. That shall consume the eyes, cause sorrow of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. You'll go out and sow crops, Israel, and it'll all start going, and Babylon will come in and crush you and go out there and take your crops. That's what'll happen. And I will set my face against you, Israel. Church! Israel was called out of called out of Egypt, and we're called out of this world. Called out is the word church, ecclesia, ekkaleo, call out. They that hate you shall reign over you. They will be the heavens. That's what the Bible means when it says there'll be new heavens and new earth. They shall reign over you, and ye shall, shall flee when none pursueth you. You will be running for your life constantly. Nobody's pursuing America right now except God's disease. And men are fleeing from it. They're cursing it in a sense because they're saying, let's fix this judgment of God. I've got so many places to go with this, but the coronavirus is it's one of the diseases of God that he's been sending here ever since Israel began to be disobedient when Ahab brought this sun and tree worship into Israel in the 16th chapter of 1 Kings he married Jezebel Jezebel is the cause of all of it her father was Ethbel the king of Tyre and Sidon and they worshipped the fire god Baal and grove the tree goddess and that's the Christmas tree whether you like it or not you can read that in Jeremiah 10, Isaiah 44, and everywhere you find the grove in the Old Testament. Israel brought that about, and it has brought preachers to a place in America in the 21st century, and they're preaching an easy gospel, another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And Paul said, I didn't preach that Jesus. You guys are preaching a Jesus that I don't know. The Jesus of the Bible says death to self, daily cross, self-denial, die to the flesh, be hated by the world. You've got to be hated to be a preacher of God. I've got a world of people hating me, wanting to do me in. But let me tell you, if I'm really truly God's preacher, you're the one that will be under the judgment of God. 
you're the one he'll come after. I have had young preachers come here and they think that they're supposed to take over the ministry. I've had them lie about me. I'm not going to fight them. I don't want to fight any of you guys. Your problem is you. They're arrogant. They're, some of them had persecution complexes. Some were paranoid. They thought it's time for me to be a preacher. After all, I'm 35, 38, 40 years old, and it's time for me to be the boss. No, it's not. So they start trouble and leave and start their own church or move out of state and say, that Jim Brown, he's a dirty, low-down dog. Well, he has been that. That's for sure. If you, I could tell you things about me that you don't know. Do I have any time? Is it? No. Huh? No. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to understand this coronavirus has in the, been in the making for millenniums. It's just the end of God's judgment for the end of time. And you've said all through the scriptures, this is what you're going to do. Crush us under your hand, Lord. You said you came to the bruised, the crushed. You came to the poor in spirit. Lord, empty us out of ourselves, because that's what poor is. You came to the blind, that was the Gentiles, and you've opened our eyes. You came to, to lead us to the truth. Thank you so much for your for your crushing. May we be obedient to your word for the rest of our lives. Fight our battles. I can't fight anybody anymore, Lord. I'm tired. And I don't need to be fighting anybody ever again. Teach this to the people here. Help the sheep to bow to your will. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. I didn't know how to do all this with Israel and her and her evil ways. People don't even know that Israel was scattered because of their wickedness. Most people don't even know about the captivity. They don't even know there was such a thing. They knew about their bondage. Life is interesting in these days and times. I'm we're seeing some things that nobody, nobody else has ever seen before.